We're rolling. Uh oh. Counting us down. Uh, that sounds scary. Three, two. You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's stop the show. Hey guys, welcome back to Missing Out. I am Tari J. Oh boy, I'm Lex Michael. Yeah, and if this is your first time listening, what we do here is we introduce each other to different media, whether it be music, TV, movies, other stuff uh, that we experienced growing up or throughout our formative years. One day we're gonna do we're gonna do like a month long series on Renaissance paintings, and y'all are gonna be like, I didn't know I was into Renaissance art, and now. I'm tattooing Renaissance art on my whole body. Hell yeah. Get that fucking starry night on your back, baby. Not for nothing. If you saw us, if you were like at the mall and you saw somebody walk by and they had uh, like, like the Sistine Chapel, like the entire piece from the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel just tattooed over their entire body. Like it was a dude, like he was wearing pants, but no shirt. Right. Uh, and you just, his entire body to where almost no skin that you could see was left exposed. You wouldn't want to know more. Like you wouldn't want to know what that dude's store was. I feel like I'd be engaged immediately. I'd be like, I have to, I have to know your essence. I'd be intrigued. I don't think I could technically hire that guy for anything. Oh, definitely though. not. Yeah. Maybe personal security. And like, because even if he's a wiry guy, if somebody's like trying to approach you to to like jack your shit, yeah, they'd see this dude and they'd be like, he's not very big, but he's got to be crazy. <laughs> like he's got to be out of his mind. Like he's got to be hiding knives somewhere. Yeah. Or I'd like to imagine that maybe, just maybe, he or she doesn't believe in, like, pictures or photos and feels like if there's something that you really, truly treasure, you have to carry it around with you for the rest of your life. Right, it's like the total antithesis to if you love something, let it go. Yeah. If you love something, smother it. Smother it to death. Oh, yeah. Let it it encase your whole body until the day that you die and then at that moment they'll cut your skin off and make a tapestry out of it uh all that to say anyways the retrospective we are introspective exactly brought to you by almond milk and pudding (laughs) balloons Aw, classic pudding balloons um today we are talking about a 2006 comedy brought to you by adam reeve and matt thompson the guys you'd know from archer um and that was going to be I didn't, Frisky Dingo. Yeah, I did not do a whole lot of research into the team behind it. Although I know the production company, what was it, seventy thirty? Yeah, uh, shut down. Like part of why the show didn't last more than two seasons, right? Is the company shut down? But that Correct. is also the company behind C Lab twenty twenty one. If I'm not yes. mistaken. But the animation style in, in Frisky Dingo, uncannily like that of Archer, which was one of the first thoughts I had watching it, and I didn't. I didn't. I did a little bit of homework on this, but not a whole lot. So I didn't trace the creators from this to Archer. But of course, that makes so very much sense. Right. So uh, the yeah. So Matt Reed or Adam Reed. I don't know why I do that every time. Um, but Adam Reed essentially, after he got off of C Lab twenty twenty one, he was looking for a project to do. He signed on with Cartoon Network. They uh, commissioned the first season, which was just 13 episodes, 11 minutes. It was it was I feel like it was in the not early phases of 
uh, Adult Swim. Well, I was going to ask, like, what was happening with Adult Swim that early? Like, I didn't realize until I was most of the way through the first season that this was from 06. Like, yeah. like uh, it ran, Frisky Dingo ran 06 to 08. Mm-hmm. I just assumed it was a lot more recent than that. I don't think... Like, I was, I didn't really know what Frisky Dingo was. I was aware of, like, uh, Kill Face, like, the face that they use as, like, their logo, like, yeah. their banner on, on streaming platforms. I recognized that, but I didn't know who Killface was. I didn't know that it was uh, associated with the show called Frisky Dingo. I just saw it popping up on Hulu more recently. Yeah. But it is uh, it is very much the same type of uh, borderline absurdist uh veering into full-on absurdist humor that Adult Swim has become known for. And there's so much more of that type of thing now than yeah. there was in 2006, certainly. But so what was happening, right? This was post-C-Lab 2021. Yes. Which means what, right? This maybe was So around this time... Space this... Ghost, Coast to Coast, is yes. this after that? Mm-hmm. And then uh, well, where was this in relation to like Aqua Teen Hunger Force, for example? Um, it was basically airing around the same time. Um, so I would say that... Uh, the only really like weird shows was yeah Space Ghost and um, Sea uh, uh, Lab Aqua Teen Hunger Force and then this is pre Venture Brothers if I remember correctly. You know I've never seen the Venture Brothers. Oh dude, we have to do a show. I've on that. a couple friends of mine for years and years. So every time it comes up and I mention I've never seen it, they be like, dude, you would really like Venture Brothers. Why have you not watched this? And yeah. I go, I I got I'm watching like seven CW shows right now, y'all. Um, it's really great. Um, yes. So I'm putting that one on the list. All right. We'll get to it. We're going to get to See, I'm way... I don't watch that much animation. Not because I don't like any of it. I just... I don't... It doesn't end up becoming a priority for me yeah. that often. I keep up with like Rick and Morty. Right. Basically. And I'm going to jump into BoJack finally, which is another one that people keep telling me, dude, you, how have you not watched this yet? Yeah. Um, so I'll watch that. And obviously, like, first decade of The Simpsons is my jam. And mm-hmm. I, I watched a lot of Aqua Teen Hunger Force when it was first on. Yeah. Um, but this stuff I like. So if you give me more of this sensibility in animation, like, I'm, I'm totally good. Weirdly, though, because we brought up Archer, I like Archer. What I've seen of Archer, I like. Yes. There are some people for whom it's practically a religion. Interesting. I, I don't get that. Not because I don't think Archer is as good as people assert that it is, but I'm still waiting to feel that click for yeah. myself. It's like where I'm fully like, oh, okay, I get, I get what everybody else seems to be getting from this show. Yeah. Well, I feel like uh, in terms of Archer, I, I feel like if you're a casual viewer – Seeing such a really well done, well plotted out narrative structure in an in an adult animated show, I think that it is of like basically the comedy is of the level of like a honest, uh, uh, always sunny in Philadelphia, things of that sort. And so I think that if you are exposed and you don't like watch a bunch of this stuff um, to where it's just like another thing that you're watching then yeah it's really easy to get obsessed with the same way people are obsessed with like uh how 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 i met your mother or uh friends or all those other shows that people love right um so i like i i get the idea of it i think that i'm too tv exposed to really ever be obsessed with anything and hyper jaded just super like that do you mean do you mean when you say to be obsessed with anything like that, do you mean to be obsessed with anything to that extent, or do you mean to be obsessed with any anything 
like that, like uh, that dirty show, <laughs> that that smut program. Uh, no, to that extent. <laughs> Got it. Um, I'm basically saying I'm mostly dead inside. <laughs> uh, it is, though. It's tough, right? There's so, so, so much happening uh, TV-wise. Now, like, I finally just got to the point that I think a lot of people got to months and months and months and months ago, which is there's just too dang much stuff now. Yeah. there's And there's so much stuff that I like. But now it's like we live, like you and I both love the comic book stuff. And mm-hmm. when they started, when comic books, uh, we entered this now, this huge golden age of uh, comic, like live action comic book adaptations, it was so exciting as a fan because it's like, wow, there's so much of it. And now as a fan who feels at least a little obligated to keep up with as much of it as he can, I'm just like, oh God, there's so much of it. Yeah. Like I, it took me a while to get through Punisher. I'm like trying to keep up with Shield. They're all in space now. Shield, by the way, spoilers. Shield gets a lot more hate than I think it deserves. I think a lot of people bailed on it midway through season one, and I understand their reasons for doing so. Yeah, it gets better. Anyway, that all the CW stuff, which which just blessed me personally with a hiatus, so that I can live my life until they all come back. Mm-hmm. Those alone, on top of trying to keep up with anything else. There is so, so, so dang much of it. And yeah, like like you're saying, it's like to add one more thing onto it, how much of an individual impact will that thing now make? It's very rare that even the shows that I like, yeah, that a piece of television especially makes me go, whoa, this is like, this is the thing. And like, I don't want to, I know I hit this over and over and over and over all the dang time, but like this year it was Twin Peaks. Yeah. This, that was such a mind blowing revelatory uh, experience for a television show to present you with. It's, it's gotta be like that, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? To really leap out in a profound way among this, now this sea of st- sea of content, great content, but so much of it that there's almost a numbing effect. Yeah. Whereas, like, obviously, in t- even just a decade ago, uh, 2006 to 2008, that wasn't the case yet. There was still a lot of stuff, but you weren't constantly being inundated with content, just no matter what direction you looked in, no matter what your watch said it was in terms of time. You know what? I, that was a clunky sentence. Right. You know what I mean? No, I get No matter you. what your watch says it was in terms of time. <laughs> I'm going to put that on a T-shirt. Uh just constant, right? That wasn't the case. So there was more opportunity to, for, for something, a show like Frisky Dingo to grab you. Yeah. And also you lose something with all of these streaming platforms, uh, as great as it is to have all of this content available at your fingertips whenever you want it, you lose the the joy of discovery, Yeah. right? Because something like, especially most of the Adult Swim lineup that people are aware of, yeah, it's great to like have it in your head that I'm going to specifically watch that thing and going to Hulu and like picking up like I've, I've, I've got to do episode four now and hitting it and sitting back and enjoying it. Yeah. But you don't get the experience of it's like a- 1145 at night and you're you're tired. You've maybe had a long day, but you're like you're relaxing a little bit. You're flipping channels and you land on Cartoon Network. And you get hit in the face with this blast of absurdity with this collection of characters that maybe peripherally resembles things that you are aware of, but not like no immediate analog maybe to anything that you've been watching and you stumble upon it completely unaware of what the thing is. Mm -hmm. And it then is able to grab, I feel like it grabs your brain in a way that is completely different. Like you are, 
so caught off guard by this thing in a way that you cannot possibly be now because the byproduct of having all of this content at your fingertips on demand at all times is there is a certain element of uh uh, it's like it's pre-planned. Right. Everything you watch is pre-planned, which is fine. But I miss, I really miss that discovery. Yeah, I get that. And uh, I feel like the the way that it happens now is in a way it's less organic, but it's more social in that I find that I, I am exposed to things more by people recommending it firsthand as opposed to me kind of stumbling on it. Right. Um, which again, still kind of feeds into the idea that you always have to be constantly looking for something as opposed to kind of running into them and them like washing over. And then what happens when there is so much stuff that, and I feel this weird obligation to keep up with so many things. I find myself in a situation where every time somebody recommends something to me, I say some version of, yeah, I believe I would totally like this. I will put it on the list. But if I put it on the list today, I might not get to it till like 2020. Right. Um, it actually helps. This, uh, uh, I, I realized at a certain point, like if you're a friend of mine and you really want me to watch something and you want me to prioritize watching it, best thing you can do is just throw it on when I'm in the room and and hope that it catches my eye in that moment because once I'm in for the one and if I really like the thing then I've t I tend to be like an obsessive completionist uh -huh. I tend not to start a show like I won't start a new show unless I really trust the pedigree of the people behind it yeah I won't go back to an older show even if I'm positive I'll, I'll enjoy even if it's been recommended to me over and over and over uh, whether it has or it hasn't been I'm usually not going to start if I don't intend to watch the entire thing yeah. Like, I don't go in with the mentality of, oh, I'm going to give it, like, two, three episodes and see what it does. I'm going to go, like, nope. I, it's got to be, like, real painful for me to jump off once I start. It's got to, like, be hurting me. I'm going to take that to mean that if I want you to watch something, I just have to make you a captive audience. Like, I just have to kidnap you, put you in a room, and then be like, you're going to watch this anime and you're going to like it. I mean, you're in a unique position where you could basically just say, we're talking about this on the show and then I have to watch it. Oh, yeah. This podcast you're, you're was created yeah. so that I could just make you watch stuff. And you're actually the only person in this position. There is no other person in the position that you are in where you can tell me to watch something, and I basically have to do it. Yeah. But at least it's mutual. It goes both ways, which is which is comforting. I feel less like a puppet. <laughs> um, just two puppets working each other. Mm, mm, deeply disturbing. Yep. Deeply disturbing visual. Um, um, but so, so, all right, fr Frisky Dingo. Uh, so, yeah, you had mentioned... Uh, there being a lot of hero things now. Um, and Frisky Dingo, in the same way that Archer uh, is a takedown or like a satirical or par parody. It's somewhere, I feel view. like Archer is somewhere between parody and satire. Yeah. Because uh, a lot of the jokes aren't, they're not really with an eye to correct. Some of them are. Some of them are making fun of tropes, right? You've probably seen more Archer than I have. But some of it is making fun of the tropes that we all know from spy movies like James Bond. Right. In a way that is like, well, why do they... These are silly and outdated. Why don't we do something different? Mm -hmm. Which I guess would, would lean towards satire. And some of it is just flat out making fun of it to make fun of it. Right. And so this show being kind of a... I feel like it's a 
precursor or like a, a prototype to what Archer is now in that. But instead of the spy game, it is more from it is more taking on the superhero genre, which hadn't really taken off at that point. At that point, in 2006, right, we had uh, the X-Men movies and we had Raimi's Spider-Man movies right. and like Blade before that. Every, by the way, everybody gives X-Men the credit for, for launching this boom, X-Men and Spider-Man. And yes, look, X-Men is real. was like the watershed moment. That's when like the dam burst. But Blade yeah. was a couple years before that. And nobody really acknowledges that Blade actually, I think, in a way, paved the way for X-Men to happen a little bit. Not yeah. directly. Nobody was like, Blade was a smash. Let's get the claw guy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Blade. Blade was, well, Blade was there. I think it's mostly because on a mainstream basis... Blade isn't necessarily like I think if you don't know that Blade is a comic book character you would just be like this was a badass movie uh, with cool. Wesley, Wesley Snipes. Snipes and a coat killing vampires with garlic right um, but garlic X-Men the says garlic in that movie is dope yeah no one no one makes garlic sound as cool as Wesley Snipes and Blade <laughs> <laughs> it's also it's also got one of my favorite like I think it was in Blade 2 that line where he's like uh, what does he say he goes some motherfucker's always trying to ice skate uphill um, yes that's one and that's the best thing he's ever said yeah that's one of my favorite lines in any comic book based movie and I always again, like you say like it's easy to forget that Blade because Blade doesn't even in the comics you don't see Blade I don't see Blade interacting with these characters that much yeah he's usually off doing his own like Blade thing <laughs> So it's easy to like lose track of that overlap, but yeah, that's actually I think one of my favorite lines in any comic book adaptation. Yeah, so what you said that's one. One is there a two to that thought, or was that one just the only the only part of that thought? I I'm even I'm lost. Which I don't even. remember I said what the thought. line, and then you were like, "That's one. That's like the best thing he's ever said." And then maybe I said that's one of the maybe two. I if you're listening to this episode, tweet <laughs> at us about what Tari just said. Oh my gosh, guys, I'm I'm so I'm so, I'm, I'm out of it, dude. It's been a long week, hasn't it? It really has. Been been. A, anyway, so all right, I, I but yes, so um, Frisky Dingo um, is is a takedown of the superhero genre and very much ahead of its time. In as much as it ran for two years, it ran in uh, from 06 to 08. No, 08 was the year that Iron Man came out and kickstarted the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and really again like took. Comic book, and it was the year of the Dark Knight as yeah. well. Two movies that really took uh, comic book adaptations uh, onto a new plateau. Mm-hmm. And so, like, we get these this the main character Xander being a very Bruce Wayne slash uh, Tony Stark type character. Yes, uh, Xander Cruz, Xander Cruz, aka Awesome X. Yes. and you wonder, and of course, it's got it's got the trope of the murdered parents, and obviously they're drawing the Batman parallel, also to to an extent the Tony Stark parallel. Um, but also the murdered parents is a big hero's journey trope across yeah. multiple genres. But I guess his murdered parents left him all of his money because, as depicted. It doesn't track for me that this man could have amassed a fortune in any other way. <laughs> um, no, he's definitely an inheritance baby. And, St- and Stan, Stan, his weird, this character Stan, who's somewhere between, at, at first, very early on, I was like, wait, is this almost like the Alfred? But he's not. He's if this if this were a Batman story, if that's the analog we're going with, yeah, he's not Alfred. He's more like the Rudger Hauer character in Batman Begins. But with the cartoony malevolence of Jeff Bridges and Iron Man, right? He's very much Jeff Bridges and Iron Man with cl- clones. 
Okay, so here's here's one thing I wanted to say early on as we go further into talking about this show. Yeah. So, I for a I really liked it. B I really like how many uh, subtleties and moving parts that there are. But I feel I actually watched half of it more than once because yeah. I was enjoying it. I was tracking the broad strokes of what was happening. But I almost feel like trying to right now trying to hold this show in my mind is like trying to grasp water. Like it keeps running away from me. So I keep having to like, I feel like I have to check back in to make sure what I'm remembering is actually what happened. Yeah. And I feel occasionally like my brain is missing a piece of information, but I'm not positive that piece was ever actually given. Did they explain why there are a ton of stand clones or are there just a ton of stand clones? Um, so here, here's, <laughs> so here's the thing. Um, and I like, I'm glad that you pointed that out. Well, there's an amazing moment uh, in the back half where they introduce this subplot about the identical long-lost brother. And, yes. and then one of the exacticals just shoots him in the head and goes, look, it's fine. This was all getting way too complicated. It's fine. <laughs> um, well, so the show plays with this idea of provided information and unprovided information. Right. So uh, in a lot of their last time ons, they are giving a lot of information for the first time. Right. And in their, some of it's their next like it's, time ons. Yeah. There's this moment of like, oh, that's what happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I, I found really interesting. And I feel like that is the perfect example of what you're talking about. And that I, I, I had to go back to some episodes to be like, was that a thing or are they just adding it in there? And it took a little while to like settle into the fact that they're just like, we're doing this in 11 minutes. We got a lot of ground to cover. Let's there's put the, this, there's the this amazing moment where they're staging the kidnapping and yeah. they're cutting through the window and Killface is like, hurry up. We only have 11 minutes for this part of the kidnapping. It's <laughs> really good. Okay. So hang on. Um, can we really quick attempt to track the plot of this because yes. 11 13 11 minute episodes you're basically talking about a, a slightly lengthy feature film in terms of runtime right what the heck is going on so okay we meet Killface right up top yeah and Killface is this seven foot tall he's completely white he almost looks somewhat reptilian but he's got big old talon feet and yeah. he's a very he's a he's tries to be a good dad but he's also a supervillain bent on not taking over the world but destroying it yeah his master weapon is called the annihilatrix and i guess his end game is to hyper propel the earth into the sun for reasons are his reasons for wanting this ever made clear or is it just this is my this is what i do this is my it's, jam my yeah. name's Killface, for christ's sake he, it's super villainy he he's a he's a good dad and a bad guy right yes i like that uh meanwhile Awesome X, a.k.a. Xander Cruz, has run out of supervillains to fight. Yeah. And so he becomes really into this idea of marketing action figures of himself. But much like this is a subplot or a subplot. This is part of the the inciting circumstances in Small Soldiers as well. If you remember that magnum opus uh, where they've got this idea to launch a line of toys uh, in the case of Small Soldiers, it was the Commando Elite. In this case, it's just Awesome X action figures. Yeah. But. Somebody points out, well, those are those were soldiers. This is a superhero. To mm -hmm. sell these toys, you need, they need someone to fight. Right. And that's why they create the Gorgons in Small Soldiers, who end up being the heroes of the movie. 
And in this case, they try to come up with, well, we need a supervillain. And of course, Xander Cruz has already thought of that one. This poor, this poor man who he grafts <laughs> these lobster claws onto. Um, but of course, that's not going to play. There's something real sad about the entire thing. So they stumble upon Killface because Killface... Like, tried this mass marketing yes. postcard so, campaign for his villainy at the suggestion of a, a marketing slash filmmaking crew member that he is keeping prisoner after murdering the twin brothers that seem to be running that entire production. Uh-huh. And already, we're what, two episodes in? We're 20 minutes in, and there is quite a bit happening. <laughs> Um, yes. Well, I think that is my favorite. The way that they set it up is one of my favorite things in that having watched so many different like hero-y things, um, this idea that if uh, a villain wants to get their, their word out, they, they, have, they, to they have to like market it. They have like, to buy up, in. He ends up on a like a Regis and and Kelly. Or at that time, was it still Regis and Kathy? When did Kathy Lee leave? Why do uh, I think you'd know this? I, think I it was don't Kelly. know this. It okay. was Kelly at this point. Uh, I'm, gl- I'm glad that one of us <laughs> knows the, the Regis chronology. Yeah. Um, but a very Regis-y talk show where they're, they're really trying to pimp those scions. Um and he's, he like finds himself with a platform suddenly to espouse his villainy and to draw attention to the fact that I am I am the harbinger of your doom, folks. And it's the most uncomfortable, awkward. Like he's clearly not prepared. Yeah. To have that platform, he's trying to make joke doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And then you start you really start to empathize with Killface. I think far more so than with Sander <laughs> Cruz, who keeps shooting himself in the feet, like. He's trying to keep Train Island up and Stan to keep right to keep Train Island going. Stan made deep, deep, deep payroll cuts to the Exacticals. And Awesome X, Xander Cruz, tells the Exacticals to blame Xander Cruz to deflect attention from himself, even though he is Xander Cruz. Mm -hmm. And so Xander Cruz is abducted. He ends up getting himself abducted, essentially, and having the crap beat out of him because that's the best plan he could come up with (laughs) in the moment. Well, it's. It wasn't even his plan. Essentially, it was just a series of like missteps in that he just keeps making everyone angry at him <laughs> because he makes terrible decisions as one as like a child billionaire would, right. you know. And so, like he he gets Killface upset with him because he, uh, I think, one he brings him to the science uh, fair. And then give someone all, else, which was all a ruse, right? So that yeah. they could they would buy the rights to to him, essentially. Yeah. So they could make action figures, right? And then he completely bails on that idea at the last <laughs> second. And didn't you want to see? Didn't you want to see like Team Killface's whole production that they were ready to put on? Mm-hmm. And we never got to because Xander was just like, nah. Yeah, and and keyboard. Yes, keyboard and farm. Yes, keyboard and farm. And there's a moment because of how much information they're throwing at us at the same. And this is why I had to rewatch it. There was a mo- there's like a, a good seven minutes where I thought they were doing, they were actually going to commit to this band thing. Uh-huh. And that uh, Keyboard Ant Farm was the name of their band, like a weird, <laughs> like a prog rock act. And it took me a couple of minutes and going back to clarify for myself that that was not the case. Yeah. Keyboard uh- Ant Farm is literally a keyboard that's also an ant farm (laughs) which is genius by the way um 
but it but even that bit leads us to one of the like oldest tropes in or i guess a mix of every trope uh that we get for like origin stories for heroes and villains where it's radioactive uh, insects and also oh yeah uh, and this dude this this guy i'm sorry what is lobster hands name because after a while i just started thinking of him as lobster hands uh, just keep calling him Lobster Hands. Lobster um, Hands. I mean, I could tell you what his Lobster name is. Lobster Hands. But we'll just, we'll I just don't cut this wanna. out. We'll just cut I just, this. We'll just cut I don't want to tell you his Ryan. name. I'm it's finding like, literally. It's like as if I was looking at my notes right now I'm and l- telling you Simon, what his name is. I can was, find every character name except for Lobster Hands. I'm telling you what his name Grace was for Hannah, because uh, it doesn't oops, Simon. That's, that's me. Sin. That's Grace, my thing. Ryan. It doesn't matter, man. Like every every Don't single character. Even, I just jumped into notes. W. I just went onto Wikipedia, and this character doesn't seem to exist. As far as did I hallucinate Lobster Hands? If I go back and rewatch it, is this character still going to be there? Doesn't he fall in love? No. Doesn't the robot Sin? There's a robot assistant, by the way, that Killface has. Uh, doesn't she like fall in love with him? This is a subplot. This character was in the show or was he see i don't know anymore i mean if you really think about it was he really there uh i think every time in my notes i just refer to him as crab guy crab guy and they keep calling him crab guy or some some variation thereof yeah why can i not find this dude's name dude it's like willis or something it doesn't matter but it's gonna bother me i'm not i don't trust my memories anymore dude uh, anyway, uh, it's hands. because you fell into a vat of radioactive ants and they're burrowing into your brain. So, causing- so, but so Lobster Hands has this plan because he's got to dispose of the keyboard ant farms and also some nuclear waste. He's going to put the keyboard ant farms into the nuclear waste, thereby decreasing the carbon footprint of both disposals, I suppose. Uh-huh. Uh, but of course, this only leaves us with highly irradiated ants. <laughs> Um, which is, yes, which Grace, uh, the reporter falls into and becomes a supervillain, um, Antagony. Antagony, which, yeah. yes. Is it, her name is Grace, Grace Ryan? Grace Ryan, yeah. And then she falls in, she's dangling by her mic cord. Yeah. And she falls, somehow surviving that fall. That's the most impressive part. It's not even the superpowers, <laughs> is that that fall didn't kill her immediately. The waist, uh, cushioned her fall, bro. Uh, but then, yeah, she begins, which is something else that they that is a thing for a little bit, and then they completely drop. Yes, um, but they also they acknowledge it uh, in the last episode or the second to last episode. There's this moment where Killface uh, is like, "Oh, you remember the Antigone? Yeah, I wonder what she's doing. We sure don't. We don't know what what we're doing with her." Arthur Watley. Uh, Watley. Arthur Watley slash the Dread Lobster, which was the name that, that Xander Cruz was going to give him if he was going to be the villain they based the action figures right. on. Arthur Watley. We got there, <laughs> folks. We did. Thank you for going on this journey with us. Um, Yeah, so, uh, yeah, they drop it completely. Oh, yeah. And it's one of those, it's like, they really make a big deal out of this storyline for a couple of episodes. And then as quickly as it comes up, it just, yeah, it's just gone. Right. And not like they resolve it fast. No, she's gone. Yes, uh, yes, and no. And she's not. She Grace continues to be around. Yes, but we just really we stop for the most part acknowledging that she's got irradiated ant powers. Um. Yes. Well, they keep kind of not teasing it, but they acknowledge it in that uh, after 
she does the robbery. Uh, later when we see her, she's eating ant poison. And then later after that, I mean, they, at, I think at that point, it's just assumed that it uh, is the end. But I, maybe she comes back in season two. Oh, so have you not seen season two? Uh, I haven't actually. See, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna I am especially too. now that I know. Again, I thought that this was an ongoing thing until I looked it up midway through. Um, the fact that there's only two seasons, which means what? There's under six hours of this show total. Yeah. Um. Oh, I'm definitely gonna jump back into it. But that brings me back to I want to divert slightly because I want to ask you like, how did you find this show and why? What about it made you want to talk about it on? This show, beyond obviously, this is quite quite an enjoyable program. Yes, I really. Uh, well, I guess first question. Um, I found it because I didn't find it on TV. Actually, um, a friend of mine, his name is Cameron Rice. I, he is a local in LA. Um, I met him back when I was in San Francisco because he was my roommate's friend. He recommended it to me, and he also recommended "It's Always Sunny." And okay. he's like, you got to watch Frisky Dingo. It's amazing. No one's heard of it, but it's really great. Um, and at this point, uh, I wasn't a big uh, Adult Swim guy. The only time I'd watch Adult Swim was when the they had their dope weekend anime blocks. See, uh, and I'm, what, like, I'm familiar with like Toonami, but that's not the same. That was like we, it, during the week, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't really, I get, as we've established firmly, I wasn't really, and I'm still not really an anime guy. Yeah. But I would, I would actually watch, I was into Cartoon Network back when it was like, you know, when I was a kid, it was like their original lineup on whatever night that it was, which was like, you know, uh, Dexter's Lab and Johnny Bravo and Powerpuff Girls and all yeah. that. Like that block of programming was my jam. That and also like the old school Hanna-Barbera stuff right. and the old Looney Tunes stuff. And I think that eventually all got moved over to Boomerang, yes. which may or may not still exist. It I definitely does. I don't, okay. Um, but that was like the last time I was really watching Cartoon Network is when that stuff was all on yeah. and then in the the early days of adult well i don't actually know when adult swim started but okay. like but like, i can tell you okay so adult swim started technically it started back in uh i want to say the er, like early 2000s um so when cartoon network first started it was just the Hanna barbera stuff and it would essentially cut out after 11 o'clock okay and then uh, around uh i want to say 98 99 um isn't it nuts started... by the way sorry to interrupt isn't it nuts like we still remember a time where not only was was there no streaming but channels would actually cut off after a certain <laughs> hour like every as far as i know right every channel that anyone still watches is an active live channel yeah basically have 24-hour programming now because well, they have to have to yeah that's just that's so strange. Like, what a weird foreign concept. Like, even going back, like the idea that certain channels at a certain point, if you fell asleep in front of the TV, you might be woken up by like the black, like the test screen, yeah. and maybe like some patriotic music playing and a mm -hmm. voice saying, "This concludes our broadcast day." Yeah, that's bonkers. Yeah, what a weird, what a weird thing. And it's so crazy that like that was a second ago in the grand scheme of it all. Anyway, sorry. And, yeah, and now. There's so much content you literally can't watch it all. It's like your eyes will bleed. Yeah, you will. You will die in front of your television if you try and absorb all of it. <laughs> um, and so uh, they started doing Adult Swim uh, around like 
I really want to say like 99, 98. I don't think I was aware of it that early, but I remember finding it. It was when they really were like pushing the concept of like, it was when it was when their logo leading into the block was like the swimming pool. And that voice was like, all kids out of the pool. That. Yes. And I don't know how early it was that they were using those like intros and outros and bumpers. That was the first round of bumpers and intros and outros. Okay, then I did find um, it pretty early. Yes. So it was that, and that was when they were showing Space Ghost, they were showing Sea Lab, and Home Movies. Oh, that's right, Home Movies. Yes. I completely forgot about Home Movies. It like, looked like Squiggle Vision. Yeah, the Squiggle Vision. Did you ever watch, are you aware of Science Court at all? Uh, I don't think I am. So it was like a series, kids' books, but there was also like a Squiggle Vision series. Uh-huh. And I don't know... If you remember Science Court and you're listening to the show, tweet at us because that's another one that the longer I go without meeting someone who's ever heard of it, the less I'm positive I didn't invent it in my brain. Uh, So if you've heard of Science Court, if you've seen the cartoon, if you've read the books, if you remember the name of that character who I think is the lawyer or one of the lawyers, he's always arguing against science. He's like the whole point of this character is that he's dumb. Yeah. but in my head looks a little like George Washington in as much as he's got like the hair and everything. If you remember anything about science court, (laughs) please tweet at us because now this is driving me up a wall. Anyway. Yes. Home movies, which, which was like Uh, the first time I ever became aware of John Benjamin was because of home movies. mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. That was probably one of his first really big gigs. Um, And that was the first like really uh, crazy Brendan Smalls project. Um, and didn't he do, doesn't he, didn't he do Metalocalypse? He did. Okay. Um, which was at the beginning of the second renaissance of, uh, I guess the, yeah, second renaissance or rebirth of Adult Swim. Because for a long time they were just doing the like really short runs of Sea Lab and, and, and uh, Space Ghost and, and home video. And they'd have, every so often they'd have an extra show that they'd showcase or try out. Um, and then on the weekends, their Adult Swim block was a couple of those shows in addition to some of the more uh, not adult-themed anime, but the, with additional violence and things that they couldn't have on the right. Tsunami block, which was more geared towards like kids and teens. Um, the, and- uh, I, yeah, what really pulled me into that, that lineup was like at the same time, it was Space Ghost, it was Aqua Teen Hunger Force, and it was, uh, I think shortly after that, The Brack Show. Oh yeah, I was about. I remember none of it now, but <laughs> I was about the Brack show for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, I I like that they eventually because uh, a lot of the stuff that we're mentioning now, with the exception of home movies, was essentially uh, them taking some of these older titles um, that were like Hanna Barbera things and then recutting them and taking the like figures and just essentially making cheap shows from them yeah um oh uh harvey birdman yeah that was another one at about the same time you talk about hanna-barbera stuff where they're Mm -hmm. really pulling from hanna-barbera speaking of yes speaking of like weird cool riffs on like old school hanna-barbera cartoons there is we've not really done comics on this show we talk about comic book properties quite a bit and we did uh the crisis on earth x crossover on our last episode but we have not really talked about comic books yet there is a 12 issue Flintstone series that ran I think last year that is phenomenal that I think at some point I'm going to figure out like the easiest way for you to access it and I think I'm going to make you read so we can talk about it I'm into it oh dude it it will blow your mind it will make you feel things 
it's it's very smart. It's very uh, using the Flintstones as a way, a prism through which we can view our world now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, if you've if you've read it, you know what I'm talking about. We'll talk about that at some point. And I think the same team is launching a Snagglepuss book where he's like a, a gay playwright okay. living in the 50s i want to say yeah uh like i'm i'm in the bag for that and <laughs> yeah. maybe at some point we'll talk about it but yeah we got to talk about that flintstones book at some point but oh, anyway i'm into it to trace it back but yeah harvey birdman was another show at the same time that pulled me into that entire yeah. block so since it was very much like a hanna-barbera uh company running this network um they they were they were pretty hesitant to bring in other titles but then they started hiring all these other um like uh, all these other production companies to to make more adult oriented content so that they could fill out uh because it was around the time where they started needing 24 hours of content and so they needed to just fill out those late night hours but the problem was that children aren't up at that time right and, but college students are and so they decided to make content that was more geared towards those people and so like when we started getting things like venture brothers um which was a hot take on the johnny johnny quest Quest right yeah genre they also started kind of getting more stuff in that vein and so they also had this show created um the show being frisky dingo which was a hot take on the comic slash hero genre and also frisky dingo is a title seems to not really apply to anything. It is the password for the Annihilatrix, but it yes. really has no other bearing. And apparently some of the the minimal homework I did do on the show was it was originally going to be called Whiskey Tango. Yeah. And there was a band called Whiskey Tango. Mm-hmm. And so they couldn't use it. And then there, it was originally going to be that. And then it was going to be Whiskey Tango something else. I forget what. And they were yeah. still like, that's too similar. So they changed it to Frisky Dingo almost arbitrarily for right. that reason. Yeah. It was a joke that they started doing just because... Like, you know, comic writers like to make bits and then it just kind of stuck because they got to the end of production and we're like, yep, that's what it's going to be called. Um, just because Whiskey Tango Foxtrot is the like is the military sign for like, what the fuck? Right. Um, well, that's what that Tina Fey movie where she's in Afghanistan. Yes. Has that title. Yeah. Because so it's like, like, it's a military term, but I don't know what's going on. Oh, I'm Tina Fey. That's my Tina Fey. I'm Tina Fey in Afghanistan. Oh, geez. Yeah. That's a really accurate Tina Fey. It's really good. I watched a lot of 30 Rock. You it was know? like I was sitting you right know? across from Liz Lemon. Oh, <laughs> It's like Liz Lemon, but she's pooping real hard. <laughs> no. Ah, man. Oh, that's terrible. Ah. That's the word. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I got introduced to this um, back w- uh, back then. I was in the like latter half of college. Um, and this was, I want to say, the first, uh, the first comedy, animated comedy I had seen that had a full like narrative about it mm-hmm. and also uh do you mean do you mean where it was like a, a serialized story as opposed to just being one-offs yes yeah um and that really intrigued me that it kind of informed the way i thought about how you could do animated comedy sure because a lot of the comedy that like especially when you're watching like kids animated shows it at the time it was like spongebob stuff and and uh, Powerpuff Girls, Johnny Bravo, things of that sort, which could have uh, more of an adult skewing comedy as subtext. But this was a full-on adult slash late teen comedy that not only 
built upon the jokes that they established, but it was very much character driven in in its origin or that's where the comedy derived. Right. Um, and I thought it like kind of opened my mind to the way that comedy could be created. And, and again, too, the sense of humor that the show has and how completely absurd it is mm-hmm. was some now of course there's so much of that and a lot of it comes from adult swim and the yeah. production companies that they partner with there was not this much of that in 2006 yeah like this was still maybe not brand new but i feel like now now we're almost inundated with it whereas we were still being exposed to it gradually at the time mm mm-hmm. And so you can, and you can tell that like this was very much the, like the template that they they got Archer from, and I think that like I like whiskey, not whiskey Dingo. I like Frisky Dingo, though I do feel like it is very much like a product of two thousand six, where there are some jokes in there where I'm like, not not gonna fly. What like some um, of the racial stuff? Yeah, yeah, like a lot of the racial stuff. Yep. Um, yep, it's super weird that that girl gets dressed like a geisha. Yep, that's pretty weird. Oh, I do. And- I really do like the bit of business where the the shady Saudi businessmen that buy the Annihilatrix <laughs> are all clones of Stan. <laughs> <laughs> but also, they're mumbling the clone because the clones mostly just say harumph harumph harumph. Yeah. So the clones posing as Saudis are mumbling in what I think is meant to be like vaguely garbled Middle Eastern. Yeah. Sound like and not words, just sounds. Yeah. Is. Yep, I'm not even going to try to make a... I'm sure not. Um, For half a second, I was like, and here's what I mean. And then in the next half second, I went, nope, I'm holding on to them Twitter followers. I ain't doing that. ain't doing it. Um, But not even that. And also, there's the dry cleaner guy who uh, is just a white dude in Asian face. Yes. Um, And they acknowledge fully. I do appreciate... Well, actually, I have very mixed feelings about this because they really, they put a hat on it, essentially. They really lampshade the fact that this is a white person doing Asian face. And I guess he is judged for it, but it's still very much played for, haha, isn't this silly? This is like a fun little whimsical piece of this. Yeah. When in fact, like especially viewed through a, a 2017 prism, it's like, oh, it's, oh boy, that's yeah. that's profoundly racially insensitive <laughs> to say the least. Um, yeah, it was rough, and especially like all the like when we get to Chinatown, and <laughs> it gets real, real, real racially insensitive. And also too, like the fact that it is uh, it's Chinatown, right? Like this city, this fictional city. Like I have to clarify that it's a fictional city. Uh, <laughs> the the city that they're they're operating in is usually just called town or the town. Yeah, and so the place where all of the Asian people are is just Chinatown, <laughs> which is oh boy. Um, yeah, but it is interesting to think about how quickly our perspective change as far as what is what is tolerable as far as say racial humor. Yeah. think about like ten two thousand eight, Tropic Thunder. Mm-hmm. Tropic Thunder would not be made today. Oh, of course you not. You absolutely could not. And that was only 10 years ago. Not, and not only did they make that movie, not only did they make a movie with Robert Downey Jr. in blackface almost the entire time, he yeah. was nominated for an Academy Award for that performance, which I think everybody forgets about. Robert Downey Jr. received an Academy Award nomination for wearing blackface for a whole movie. Yeah. It's Whoa. insanity. It's cra- no, don't get me wrong. I like Tropic Thunder no. a good deal. It- yeah. It's just nuts to think about how even just in the span of a decade, like that movie would absolutely not get made today. Right. And I think a lot of the jokes, a lot of the racial joke, all of the racial jokes in Frisky Dingo, I don't think would fly now. 
Yeah. I think if you were going to make jokes like that, you would really have to put some work into contextualizing them in such a way where where you if you're going to make a joke like that, you really have to let the audience know we have awareness of this right. and we're trying to make a broader point. What like you really have to firmly contextualize it in a way I don't think was expected of people even 10 years ago. Right. And I think that like, especially since they were just trying to churn content and especially since it was so late at night, they were kind of allowed to do whatever they wanted. Whereas like once he started on his next series on, uh, on FX, uh, which, which was Archer, um, they had a lot more restrictions and they had to kind of keep it like I'm making air quotes, like cleaner in that, like, you could make a, a racial joke, but you have to understand that these people are deplorable. Right. And also, I think you don't get as many because these shows are very short form. So you don't really get commercial interruptions, but mm-hmm. you still have to. Somebody is financing these shows and somebody is financing the the airtime and you have to make money through ad revenue. It's not like Cartoon Network doesn't doesn't didn't have commercials. Yeah. The later you go in the day, the fewer audience members you're potentially going to reach, the fewer audience members that the advertisers are potentially going to reach. So the later you go, the less restricted you are as far as what you can get away with. Because you don't, there are fewer people you actively need to be pleasing. Now, of course, that model's changing because who watches TV in real time anymore? Yeah. But for the longest time, that was the case. The earlier you were, the more your hands were tied as far as having to please advertisers, for example. It's why even now, it's why, like, the example that popped into my head was um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for their fourth season got bumped, I think, at least a full hour later. And they were allowed to go a little darker, a little steamier, a little more uh, violent in certain places. There's, a, I'm not going to give context because this is brand new. But in season five, in the two-part opening, there's a dude that straight gets an alien claw through his face. Uh, yeah. And you see it. And I was like, bravo. But you couldn't <laughs> you couldn't do that if the show was an hour earlier. If you did do that, that would be like, you're one. Yeah. Like, that's the one you get. Mm-hmm. No, no more of that for you. But I assume because they, they, they air at the time that they air now, hopefully more uh, face talenting? Yeah. It's going to be a talent party on uh, your face. Yeah. Look at that. I just drew that all the way all the way back. <laughs> and nobody gets, nobody gets how beautiful that transition back was if you haven't watched the show. That's true. Which is available on Hulu Plus. Hulu <laughs> Plus. You can watch on demand. Hulu soon, Plus. Soon possibly to just be Disney streaming platform. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not, um, this is not what this show is about, but at some, at some point we're going to do a whole, you're missing out on the intricacies of the potential Disney acquisition of Fox. There we go. Um, but yeah, it seems like if they own Fox, they'll probably just take over Hulu. That's true. Instead of worrying about separately launching their own streaming platform. This isn't what this show is about. Anyway, no. Frisky Dingo is on Hulu, along with, I think they, they have a deal with Adult Swim. So like all of their yeah. stuff you can find. Yeah, it's on adultswim.com. Uh, I never, you know, it's like a lot of the individual, like ComedyCentral.com, you can stream all their shows, and yeah. I end up not. Don't don't waste your time on individual uh, show channels. We're really taking um, a stance on that, but I actually, I agree, like everybody's getting hyper-proprietary, and pretty soon, unless you are like a Disney where you own all of it, yeah. uh, a lot of networks are going to move. CBS is already doing it. Uh, right. premium networks like Showtime HBO have been doing it. Uh, you're going to end up, if you want all of the shows you want to watch, you'll have to pay for seven different streaming platforms and you'll be paying about as much per month as you were for cable. Yeah. No, 
like got like I know I know nobody running these studios gives a crap what I think, but guys, this is I get it in the short term. You think this is very clever. Long term, people aren't gonna be down with that. Yeah. Like long term you're shooting yourselves in the foot, but hey, I'm sure there's a great reason I'm not running one of these studios. They don't they're not listening. If you are listening though, sup guys. It's because they want that sweet, sweet Avod money, baby. Avon money? Avod? Avod. Uh, yes. It's, it's like, I was like the truck rental place. Yeah. They want Avon. They would want to make you look real good. Um, no, 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 no. Avod is, uh, advertised as advertisement video on demand. It is where, uh, ads supplement the money that you do for, uh, VOD. And like, not for nothing is. guys, if I'm paying, I'm not watching ads. <laughs> if I pay and you make me watch ads, I'm not paying anymore. Right. Bye. Um, but while we're on the subject, support net neutrality um this is Um, yeah the net guys like seriously (laughs) no like like actually since you brought it up guys read about read about this read about what is potentially going to happen if net neutrality is repealed yes this affects you this if if you're listening to the show it means you have the internet which means this will affect you and not in a good way do your homework like for real we all gotta we gotta make some noise about this because this is pretty scary because once that goes it doesn't come back yeah um, it's almost like a super villain plan. It actually, yeah. I mean, not for nothing. Um, I mean, but yeah, um, I, I will say that like racial insens- insensitivity aside, um, <laughs> the, the cast of characters and the, the just variances of people that, uh, you kind of encounter throughout the show, I found to be really fun. They, everybody pops. Yeah. And considering how big the ensemble is, it's very impressive that everybody pops. Even the real minor periphery characters, like you don't really get to know the exacticals individually. Yeah. But as a unit, they very much stand out and they got a spinoff. Mm-hmm. There was an exactical spinoff that ran for two episodes before the production company shut down. Yeah. Like, it wasn't canceled. The company just shut down completely. Right. If that wasn't the case, there might have been more Frisky Dingo. There might have been an exact... There might still be an exactical show running in its 10th year. Exticles. Exticles? Exticles. I call them exacticles? No. What did I call them? Exacticles. Is that what I called them? Yeah. Yeah, that's wrong. Um. Yeah. I just want to... Because I know that everyone on Twitter and on the YouTubes and whatever are, are they were getting their stupid fingers ready. You know what? They They're like, probably exhausted from the 10 minutes. We forgot what lobster guy's name was. <laughs> like, how do you got guys? Like if I wouldn't even be mad if you tweeted at me about that one, I'd be so impressed. You still have energy in your thumbs <laughs> after that big block where we were just looking at our phones, trying to figure out what Wally's name was. Oh, uh, I and also I don't want to miss a chance to make a testicles joke, exticles, right? Testicles. Which right? You uh, get it. I think I was conflating. I was adding a syllable because I forgot for two, like two days. I yeah. forgot what the annihilatrix was, uh-huh. and I was, or I knew what it was. I forgot what it was called. Yeah. And I was trying to explain the show to somebody else, and I called it to annihil something. I don't remember what it was, but it was wrong. Yeah, you he kept was calling it annihil's barker. Anarles an, yeah. Barkley. Anarles Barkley. Uh, Anarles Crane. What? Oh, what? was that a Fraser joke? <laughs> it was. <laughs> Have we? We haven't. T- do you remember when I pitched you Terminator? I do. Yes. Yeah, that was great, guys. One day when I can remember <laughs> the entirety of this bit, we'll tell you about Terminator, which is, as you may suspect, a Fraser Terminator mashup where Fraser Crane is a, a cyborg sent from the future, and Niles and Daphne are like the the 
Kyle Reese and uh, Sarah, Connor. Sarah Connor. Yeah, and I think I think Martin Crane was supposed to be like a good Terminator. Yes, who sent back to help them? Right, and that's because part of Fra- here. I know you tuned you, in for the Fraser talk, yeah. guys. Uh, the <laughs> So part of it is like uh, uh, Martin Crane, their dad, very blue collar, uh, retired police officer who took a bullet to the hip in the line of duty. So he walks with the cane. And in Terminator, he was able to withstand the bullet because he he's uh, living tissue over metal endoskeleton. Right. Of there, course. I think there was more to this. I forget where like Roz figured in. But this was a whole thing. We're going to reconstruct Terminator. Yeah. And then one of you guys is is going to animate it for me. Day two. <laughs> I haven't picked which one of you it is. It could be you. <laughs> me? No, not you. Oh, damn. I just wanted to be included. <laughs> well, you can you can play the you can play the David Hyde Pierce part. Oh, great! Yeah, yeah. Um, and we'll just get him to dub you because he's very busy. But if you play Niles, we can just have David Hyde Pierce come in later and do the voice, like the first Hellboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> um. So, uh, I I never caught season two because I didn't know there was one. Um, well, that'll that'll do it. Yes, because it it wasn't. I don't think it aired on. Uh, Adult Swim. I think it was like a straight to internet thing. Okay. Um, and at the at the time where, I mean, there was there even a Netflix at that point. N- uh, no. Well, sort of. Netflix was only doing was only discs, discs at the time. But was it when did Netflix start? Netflix started in uh, two thousand. I want to say two thousand five or two thousand six. See, I had the number oh um, seven in my head, but that could completely be inaccurate. Um, I. Th- Think, so I think that they started doing discs in two, two, 2006. I know that they started doing uh, a minor bit of streaming um, in 2007, 2008. But isn't that bonkers, right? Like you didn't find second season of Frisky Dingo because even 10 years ago, people were still like streaming. What? Yeah. What's up with that? Yeah. No, we're never going to. Where's my disc? Where's my, where's my, what channel do I watch this on? I'm not going online to watch this thing. That's weird. Yeah. This was that, a, that's nuts. No, it's that crazy. was a decade ago. That wasn't even technically a full well, oh six, oh seven. That was a about decade, a decade yeah. ago, give or take. But isn't that fucking nuts? Yeah. This was when uh Blockbuster was Blockbuster was actually doing their own streaming service. What? And they were so they were they I were don't doing remember streaming this at all. And they were also doing uh they were trying to stay relevant. I have a couple uh, friends Netflix. that worked at Blockbuster in high school, right? Around this t- like at the I guess I like got out of high school. Shortly, I'm like dating myself, but I got out of high school like around that time. Yeah. But I around that time had friends that were working at Blockbuster and I still feel like I've never heard of this. Um, well, it was because it was part of their attempt to do a disc delivery service. So me and my roommate tried it out for a second. This was about the time that uh, Frisky Dingo was out. So it's relevant. But like um, Blockbuster was trying to stay relevant by doing home delivery. And so they did a minor bit of streaming, but it was mostly like their own disc service, um, which they stopped very promptly because it was, wasn't cost efficient and they were also shutting down. Um, And this was when Netflix was just starting to get uh, their streaming, but it was very limited. Like uh, you could go on there and find maybe like 10, 15 movies um so it was more worth it to just do discs uh and then around 2011 was when they decided that they might do 
um, their own streaming service. Like I'm a laughing separate at the idea service. that their streaming service only has 15 movies, and all 15 movies are Gary Busey as the gingerbread man. <laughs> um, yeah, well, it's it's crazy because no one knew because this was about the same time when they were trying to figure out what HD was going to be. Yeah. Um, because, like this was more yeah. or less around the same time as the Blu-ray HD DVD war as yes. well. <laughs> the, the, the HD wars of 08, 09. <laughs> uh, God, that's so. Yeah, technology it, has come very far in the last 10 years. Can you, but like even just remembering that like some people must still have HD DVDs yeah. somewhere that are now like useless. Like that right. format came and went in a second because it became clear at a certain point that more studios were making deals with the Sony technology. Yeah. And so HD DVD just gone. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's nuts. That's like, I got a weird nostalgia for that time. Like which <laughs> format wants my money harder? Yeah. I was trying to explain it to someone back then by you, because the, it was the second time something like that had happened when we were trying to d- decide which um, essentially which, consumer platform we were going to embrace back when it was uh beta versus vhs right um and then we ultimately ended up doing vhs for consumers beta for professionals the other thing that's crazy is we're the last generation i think that really owned or will have owned vhs unless they're doing it as like uh like the way vinyl came back. Yeah. Like they're doing it semi-ironically. Although right. now vinyls just seems to be back in earnest. But I think when it started, people were started again. I think people were doing it semi-ironically. And there are still people that grab VHS tapes for the same reason. Yeah. But isn't that crazy? Like VHS was the thing. Yeah. Though like comparing comparatively to vinyl, it's like VHS has such a, a limited quality and limited shelf life as well. Yeah, and and beta only won or beta only lost air quotes again because it was more expensive and because uh, it was harder to produce with. And so, like, unless you were basically shelling out like company level amounts of money, like you couldn't mass produce, you couldn't even consume on a higher uh, level. So you would only be getting like maybe if you were a consumer, maybe one beta a year, maybe two betas a year. Right. So expensive. Yeah. Like there were movies like early VHS, right? You could get movies that would cost you like $80 Mm -hmm. just just so you could own it at home. And now, of course, eight bucks a month, you get thousands of titles. Um, But it's nuts to think about this era where these two formats, these two platforms were competing with each other. Because now you see less and less of that now. The more and more companies, uh, more and more companies absorb other companies, the fewer companies there are. And we're moving pretty close to two or three companies tops owning everything. Yeah. And what that means is not not really that many platforms competing with each other because most of them are under one or two umbrellas. Right. That's just what a weird but there's something a little sad about that, I think, too. And it's only going to get as exciting as the idea of Wolverine in an Avengers movie is. That's something else that happens if Disney acquires Fox. Is like there are fewer like people will lose jobs. There will be fewer places in town to take ideas. There will be fewer fewer places that really feel incentivized to, to work harder to do something really cool, unique, novel, interesting because they don't really have anybody to compete with. Right. Well, yeah, that's a bummer. Though maybe it will mean that they're more willing to take risks and that people will have no choice but to go to their 
like to consume their content. So they're like, all right, we'll do whatever the hell we want because like no one has any other choice, which also means that they could also just create a bunch of garbage because essentially people won't have any choice to do anything else. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword, I think. Right. And I mean, I think people will always have an appetite for stories that aren't big branded franchisey stuff. I right. think that's most of what you're going to see increasingly at the multiplexes. I think you're going to start seeing smaller movies, even like these mini majors that, that are able to get fairly wide releases. I think you're going to see probably less and less of that at the theater. You're going to end up catching most of those movies at home. But I think that's what a lot of people are doing now anyway. Yeah. I don't know. It's a lot of, it's a lot of moving parts of this. We're going to see, I think we're, we're in a very, very interesting, uh, tumultuous time as far as uh the walls between different types of content bl- uh, blending or dissolving entirely yeah. all of our screens essentially becoming the same thing i mean i'm gonna bring up twin peaks again there's a big <laughs> a big conversation it's not really an argument but a big debate uh over the new twin peaks in that a couple of the most prestigious, well-regarded, uh, best of, or, or film publications in the world, Cahiers uh, du, du Cinema and uh, Sight and Sound, both uh, insanely respected uh, internationally as, uh, you know, a, a critical, like a fountain of uh, critical insight, uh, both listed the new Twin Peaks, this 18-hour limited series, uh, in their top two films of the year. And even though look, Twin Peaks is my favorite thing, uh, my favorite piece of narrative entertainment that happened this year, by far, nothing is even close. I think it's pretty clearly TV, but the fact that we're having this conversation speaks to the time, the interesting time that we live in as far as what our definitions of different types of content have been in the past and how all of those walls are eroding. And that actually, here we go, here's how this is relevant. Uh, tenuously relevant. You're going to have to go with me on this. Yeah. Uh, going back to what you were saying about how when you found a show like Frisky Dingo, uh, there was that feeling we were talking about, that weird, that feeling of discovery. And then you had that moment that you were describing where you went, oh, this is actually reframing the way that I think about how to approach stories. Like you, I think it sounds like you almost had a moment where the lines between two different types of storytelling began to blur and the wall dissolved for you and we're seeing that happen now not just in a in a micro individual narrative sense but we're actually seeing it happen with content as a whole i probably could have done a better job connecting those dots but there's a lot of big things i was trying to tie together right there i mean no it sounds like what you're saying is like in terms of how we consume things like there used to be movies were a theater thing tv was a small box thing um internet videos weren't a thing along like any any like individually produced videos had to be um kind of distributed in a guerrilla fashion like uh what was it uh i forget what, what it was some movie or some show something that some viral video was only only became viral because people would pass it back and forth on their computer. Right. Like someone would have a floppy of it. Yeah. And floppies. they'd be like, dude, you got to check this out. And they, or someone would have a copy of it on their desktop and it, and they'd be like, bro, this is hilarious. Check it out. Oh, it was the South Park Christmas special. I'm thinking of. Oh, Spirit of Christmas? Yes. Yeah. Where essentially like people were 
sharing it online or people were like giving it back and forth to each other via um via like floppies and shit like well, that. Well, you hear with that one specifically, you hear these stories about how people in the industry would pass it around like as a Christmas card. Yeah. Almost. Um that was how things went viral. And now we have we live in this world where you have these large cinematic like ventures, these these very beautifully shot movie quality stories being told on television. You have um things on the uh you have things on streaming internet platforms which was essentially reserved for cat videos um but they are now tv quality only on the internet you have things in on in movie theaters that are essentially just shortened tv shows like things of that like all of well, you've also lines. got you've also got streaming companies like Netflix like Amazon uh putting their movies into theaters to qualify, you know, to qualify for awards, for example. Yeah. Like you're actually seeing now streaming platforms competing with some of the majors in far as, as far as what they're able to accomplish, the type of content and the type of stories that they're able to tell. Like what a weird, a weird time. Yeah. And like, and like the way I saw, I saw somebody put it, like right now you're seeing things like you're, you're watching Netflix try to become Disney before Disney can become Netflix. Uh huh. Which is weird. Like what a weird, uh, contradictory like mind-boggling reality that alone is yeah it's a little it's like a ouroboros so it's just like this snake trying to eat itself yeah and that but that's actually really good that's what i think uh as far as uh competing platforms and as far as the way we're consuming content and what the way we seem to be uh, progressing the direction we're moving in, it really is a lot like a snake eating its own tail yeah and everything every platform just trying to consume every other platform and thereby itself it's yeah. very weird. so i'm very 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 curious to see what what this all looks like even five years from now yeah because i feel like even five years from now because things are changing so fast and paradigms are shifting so 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 fast mm-hmm. like what is this going to be yeah what is it, and where how are you going to be able to have to bring it all back how are you going to be able to have an experience like i had when i discovered like any of the adult swim original lineup or like you had when you first stumbled upon frisky dingo how how likely is it that we'll have experiences like that again yeah um i mean i feel like the the chances go down in that a lot of the things that we consume is based on what's popular like and and popularity drives what we get new seasons of and what what like is in the zeitgeist do you know what could happen what if net neutrality crumbles yeah suddenly most of us are going to be priced out of watching anything yeah and we'll go back to square one where the only way we'll be finding stuff is by discreetly passing it around like on our hard drives Ooh, that's interesting because think about it. Think about like if net neutrality goes, yeah. not everybody, but a lot of people are going to be priced out of the content that they've gotten used to that they're already paying for. Yeah. What happens then? Because people aren't going to stop seeking stories. They're not going to stop seeking the entertainment that they like. And it's so easy to pirate things now. And no, this is not me encouraging piracy, but people are going to do it. Not that they should, not right. that it's justifiable. People will do it. Yeah. I get this again, like short term thinking I get but this is crazy short-term thinking because by trying to make all of this extra money in the short term, you're creating a situation where people are just going to be stealing things. Right. And you're, uh, 
is so but again make some noise about net neutrality folks because this will affect every single one of us in a terrible terrible way but that was my thought like yeah when we're all priced out of accessing this content suddenly it will look a lot like it used to look when we're just discreetly passing these files around yeah um it's funny so yes uh one could say that we're all trying to reach as many people as possible when in fact we may end up just having to make postcards and I was literally like how, how elegantly are you going to do this um, eh, I, I, uh, I, I was just there but yes um, we just need we just need some uh, some spelling and grammar error postcards that we true. can send around um, so uh, we are oh yes oh right I feel I feel we're coming in for a landing here can't can't wrap this episode without mentioning that song that rap song from the first episode <laughs> which I think I did a YouTube search for it, and it, the one video I found credited it to Killer Mike. Oh, yeah. He does the music for this. Okay. So the song's like, oh, that jeez, that song. <laughs> I don't really have anything to say about it. I just wanted to bring it up because I keep thinking about it. It's like earworming me now. Yeah. And I keep laughing. <laughs> I don't even think I'd recognize it or even thought about oh, it. Oh, that jeez. Oh, that jeez. Tell um, you how it is. How but it is. while we're just making note of things that that were amusing, I really liked uh, in the gladiator style fight between um, Barnaby Jones. <laughs> yeah, and, but, uh, uh, Bar- Barnaby Jones sounds really, really familiar to me. Like uh-huh. it's a specific reference and I wasn't able to place it and I didn't look it up. Oh yeah. I got nothing. Okay. Um, but when he was fighting, uh, a kill face, he was like, they made it. So he looked like Thor a bit. Yeah. Like he had the, the hair and he had the like wing tip sides. Yep. Um, it amused me. So, especially because we just had, um, Ragnarok, Ragnarok. Where he's, he doesn't have the hair anymore when he puts the helmet on, but he's yeah, got the helmet, a gladiator fight, and he's wielding two two hammers. Yeah, um, which I thought was very funny. Um, but uh, I'm gonna wrap this up. Cool. You, you came to hear us talk about Frisky Dingo, and you, you got, got a, a retrospective on uh, media in, in general and how we've progressed in the last ten years. I'd say it's an extra special episode. There's a lot. We covered a lot of ground. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Lex, where, where do you think they can find you? Uh, probably if you seek my monument, look around you. Um, <laughs> I'm all over social media at the Lex Michael. And you can find me at Tari J. That's T-A-R-I-J-A-Y. But you can also find this podcast at Missing Outcast. That's M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. And you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, Google Play Store and also Podbean, baby. Bro, you can find us all over the internet. You just search for us. I'm sure that your friend was like, yo, son, you got to listen to this thing. And you're like, where else can I find it? And I'm talking and I'm telling you, you can find it on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play Store, bro. It's like you know my life. Yeah, I know you, bro. I know everything about you. I hope not. And you at home. I know everything about you. Kevin, I just freaked out of Kevin at home. Yeah, it's pretty dope. Yeah, there's got to be there's got to be at least three Kevins that you yeah. just uh, uh, chilled to the bone. I know he's behind you, Kevin. Uh, yeah. But he's doing that thing where he's always staying behind you, like he's watching your body turn. Yeah. So when you turn around, he's still behind you. Always, always. I hope that brings you comfort. Um, but yes, until the next time, 
please, please, please research net neutrality. And also, yeah. make sure to follow us on the social medias and subscribe and leave a comment. We read them five-star comments here on Missing Out. Until then, bye. Bye.